I thank you that I am not like those other people. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Mother Susan, you're here. Not that I should be surprised, but I'm thrilled because of the thing I'm doing today. So, everybody else, I'm glad you're here too. I promise I am. So, one of the things that I get to do uh, in the diocese is I'm on a faculty, and I put that in air quotes because uh, we're not a true seminary, but every diocese has a school that historically has done the education and the formation for its deacons. So if you're trained to be a priest, you go away to seminary for three years, and then you come back, but if you're trained to be a deacon, you do that education in-house. And so I get to be, I'm the Bible instructor for our school. We call it the School of Iona. And if you've noticed, which I hope you have, that there's one month a week that I'm not here, that's usually where I am. One of the things I get to do at that school is we talk about preaching. We do education on how to be a good preacher. And I get to weigh in on that, I get to bring my opinions and my thoughts to that. And there's a, a pet peeve that I have for these, uh, these, these latent preachers, and it's this. When someone gets up and the first thing they do is they start talking about their process of preparing the sermon for that week. You know, well, I read this, and then I thought I was going to talk about this, and I changed my mind. Drives me crazy. I say to them, look, your people know that you have to prepare for a sermon, and that that's a process. Just say the thing you're going to say. I will give the exception that sometimes that doing that has a very in intended purpose. But most of the time, it's just filler. Well, I'm going to do that very thing today. <laughs> My hypocrisy knows no bounds. I'm going to talk about the process of preaching. So Dean Churchwell, when she came and joined us, what's it been, two and that, coming up on a half years? I noticed that she had a lead-in to her sermons, and it's this beautiful prayer. I, I don't know it by heart, but you all know what I'm talking about? The thing, it's her, it's her thing that she does. And because I'm a person who tries, tries to be compliant, I asked her, I said, do you want me to do that, that same thing when I preach? She said, no. She said, you do your thing when you preach. And I hope that you've noticed that when I preach, what I usually do is I try to scour something from, usually from the scriptures, right? Some, just one piece of it. And so before I invite you to sit down, I say the thing. What did I say this morning? Man, I'm so glad I'm not like those other people. <laughs> and the reason I do that is um, it's very abstract, but I, I want to find something in our language. It's a lot of words that maybe can get to the point that I'm trying to make, or at least be adjacent to the point. Maybe even in opposition to it, to what the, the thing I want you to leave church with. And so I'll find that thing, and I'll say that before the sermon. It's very Tim Sean to do that. I want to talk to you today about the possibility that you do something similar, maybe not every Sunday that you come to the Mass, 
But it's the possibility of doing something similar that I think could enrich your spiritual growth and your life. So in spiritual formation, there's something called the Lectio Divina. And this is why I referenced uh, Mother Canon Susan. Um, Lectio Divina, it's from the Latin, it means a sacred or a holy reading of scripture. Although you can do Lectio with really any text, I think. Um, but for those of you who are familiar, but especially for those who are not, so a divine reading of the text can come in a lot of forms. But one of the forms it comes in is you will actually sit down together with a group and you will read the passage of scripture. I'm looking at Luke 18 right now in the, in the bulletin. And in the first reading, all you do is you just listen so you can get oriented to that story, to that passage. You can sort of have it in your mind. And then there's some meditation and some prayer, some quiet. And then you'll read it again. But in the second reading, what you do is you invite people to, to identify something from the passage that sort of like rises off of the page. It stands out more than the other words or images. And here's the trouble with this, particularly as you do this for the first few times, there could be many things that stand out. Oh, I like that. That seems to be sounding different. Right. So then you'll have some more meditation, some more quiet, and you'll read it again, and you'll try to get confirmation from the Holy Spirit. Is this the thing that I should be paying attention to? Well, then eventually you're invited to just decide to choose what that thing is, and then you read it again, but you read it prayerfully, asking the Spirit of God, perhaps, perhaps, in that moment, to show you how it might be connected to something in your life. Now, here's what's interesting about Lectio Divina. It's not deductive. It's not logical in the way that we sort of normally approach the interpretation of sacred stories or even, you know, a short story or a movie. You know, you sort of look for some, like, thesis or theme that the writer of that story probably is wanting you to identify. And then you ask that question, how does this apply to my life? That's the process of writing a sermon in a lot of ways. But Lectio Divina is much more indirect. It's oblique. It doesn't come at it straight on. It gives you an image or an idea that you then have to ask yourself, why is God pointing this particular set of words out to me? And here's the struggle. You may not know in the moment. It may have to be something that you sit with. And that's where a little bit of the discipline comes in in doing a divine or sacred reading. Here's why I bring this up today. Because I thought about doing this in a sermon you know, from time to time. But I think that the practice of Lectio Divina is something that you can do not every Sunday, but you could do this on most Sundays. You can come into this space and you can begin to sort of look at the things and the words that we're going to say out loud to each other in this space. And then as the service progresses, you can take a pencil or a highlighter and you can just mark things one after the other. Maybe this, maybe this, maybe this. And then maybe in the moment, or maybe it's later that afternoon or even the next day, 
You ask the Spirit of God to show you what's the thing. Which one of these things do I need to be meditating on? And then those coming days, you write on a post-it note or you put it on a note card or you write it somewhere, maybe in lipstick on your bathroom mirror when you get creative. And you begin to ask God, show me. What do I need to be paying attention to that I have not been paying attention to? And I think, I trust that if you'll be open, that that's one of the ways that God can meet you in this moment. Yes, around the table, the presence of Jesus in our midst and in the bread and in the wine, but also Jesus meeting you in language and imagery and words and stream of consciousness throughout your week. There was a TV show that was on probably more than 10 years ago. I'm losing track of time. It was called Joan of Arcadia. Anybody watch that show? Really sort of a peculiar show. It's about a teenage girl, young woman, and God keeps appearing to her throughout her day. Not every day, but appearing to her. Sometimes uh, God would appear to her as like a substitute piano teacher. Uh, maybe it was the janitor at school. Sometimes it was a, you know, a coach, um, a bus driver, and would say something really peculiar, just left field to this student. Of course, you know, she, she had to figure out, am I going crazy? Is this schizophrenia or is this God speaking to me? But usually the thing that God would want her to do or consider would have nothing to do with her issues in her life in that moment. But you can sort of imagine in the arc of the story, what the writers would do is they would then bring in other aspects and relationships in her life, and it would connect. That weird thing would be relevant to this other thing. But what she had to do was be open and willing to hear God speak to her about a need that she had or a need that she needed to try to meet in someone else. And so that's my invitation to us at St. Paul's. Again, not every Sunday, but maybe every once in a while to do a divine reading with the Mass. And that that's one way that God can speak to you as you meet him in this place. I thank you that I'm not like other people. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.